for the next episode in our New World of Work podcast. We look at the market for tax professionals in the UK. Here to help us navigate that is Bev Parrick, Managing Consultant at Morgan Phillips. A warm welcome to our New World of Work podcast. I'm delighted to have Bev Parrick here with us today, Managing Consultant in our tax division at Morgan Phillips. Bev, welcome. Hello, Luca. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to join you today. It's a real pleasure to have you, Bev. So, talking about tax um, during the last 12 months, would it be fair to say that it's proved to be pretty resilient during the pandemic? 100%. We have seen um, a continued demand for tax professionals, which is great news. Um, Of course, 2020 has not been as productive as previous years from what I hear in terms of number of jobs which have declined and a reduction in salary increases and promotion freezes. Um, Yet there were very, I would say, few teams who were furloughed or may redundant and tax recruitment sort of never came to a standstill. So yes, that does tell us that as a discipline, tax is resilient. That's encouraging and and great news to hear. And and, and Bev, looking more into the, the specifics, are there any particular specialist areas of tax that are in, say, greater demand? Yes, in fact, there's a few. Um, With the pause in hiring throughout most of 2020, we have seen a rush in tax recruitment across the professional services sector. Um, In particular, I would say corporate tax. So this is dominating the market right now. Um, We're finding mixed tax, so corporate tax and VAT is highly in demand as our clients want candidates with a broad set of skills. Um, And I think many businesses as well hitting the panic buttons over Brexit, we have seen a huge drive for customs and global trade professionals, um, as well as their VAT counterparts. Um, And I think the other one um, or hot demanding skills we're seeing is businesses are investing in heavily in data analytics, robotics, tax technology platforms. So again, we'll see senior tax professionals with expertise in this area will also be highly regarded. Fantastic. Thank you, Bevan. We'll be talking a little bit more about some of those things that you've just mentioned there um, a little bit later um, during this podcast. And I just want to switch direction very, very quickly because I'm, I'm curious to know now that, you know, with most of us working from home and, you know, the world of remote working that we're in, how do you think that's going to affect tax professionals? Do you think that they will uh, predominantly continue to work more from home or do you think that many of, of you know, the consultancies and organisations will perhaps expect them to be in the office more? How how do you see that panning out? Yes, of course. I mean, this is certainly a real hotly debated topic um, that we are certainly experiencing from what I hear and what we see in the media. Um, so certainly people have changed their perspectives, I would say, during lockdown and, and found new and better ways of working, um, which in effect boosted mental well-being for themselves and their families, which is always refreshing. So I think The office five days per week from nine to five seems to be a thing from the past. And this is just speaking to various tax consultants. Um, It is, I would say, is a mixed bag because some would um, prefer fully remote working opportunities, whilst I would say others would prefer, you know, the mix of the two. So we will see flexibility as a as a key driver for candidates considering a career move in the future. Um, And as you probably see, um, there'll be more and more 
fully remote companies. So it's a real mixed bag, Luca, there. Yeah, yeah. So kind of the hybrid model, I guess, which is understandable because I think everyone really wants a bit more flexibility. So probably somewhere in the middle. Thank you, Bev. Um, another hot topic as well, um, certainly in, in taxation and, and in professional services as well, is the whole diversity, gender equality kind of um, uh, debate, if you like. And um, would you say it's a big priority at the moment among, say, the top consultancy firms, but also in the wider market? And would you say that good progress is being made on that? Following my conversations with partners, recruitment managers, and the people we've actually placed can vouch for this, which is very inspirational to hear how committed the firms are to gender equality and the wider inclusion agenda, which forms part of their business strategy. So that's quite good. Um, I'm hearing and seeing more and more CEOs respect talent diversity and inclusion as vital to their organization's sort of ability to drive innovation and gain competitive advantage. Um, so again, you may have seen, you know, PwC have been recognized by the Times for their ongoing work on gender diversity and a, another great example which I mentioned actually in my LinkedIn post not long ago was where Deloitte have promoted their first um, women to lead Deloitte's tax and legal service so again it's really generally speaking good to see that you know how organizations are matching up to the career aspirations and diversity experiences and expectations of the modern workforce as such so yeah it's pleasing to see. Yeah, no, no, I saw that. But um, I think, yeah, no, it, it is really good. But clearly, of course, there is always progress because numbers are probably lower than than what they should be. However, that's good to hear. And I think a lot of firms, like you said, like PwC are at the forefront in kind of, you know, making things, uh, improving things on diversity, which is great. Thank you, Bev. Um, yeah, moving on now to sort of, you know, the importance of attracting top talent. So from an organizational perspective, Bev, given that it's a competitive market, taxation professionals are in demand, as you've said. So any tips um, or, or any advice that you would give hiring managers if they want to get the best people to work for them? Yeah, great question. We get asked this a lot every day. <laughs> um, I would say the first thing is to try and understand why people choose to apply to certain companies and just making sure the message of attracting talent is right. So understanding some of the key theories surrounding perhaps candidate attraction, I believe is, is essential. So from my experience, um, the three areas that influence um, potential candidate attitudes to a job is firstly the job motivator. So things like, is it a good skill fit? Does the job have variety, autonomy? Um, and so forth. And, and and the second one is the social components like your independence, feedback, support network. Um, and then the other one is more of work context. So is there physical demand? So people want to know, um, you know, all these three factors immediately. And I think, again, in short, having a solid resourcing strategy, underlying the candidate psychological theories, having an awareness that everyone is different will certainly set the company apart, in my opinion, I would say. Yeah, understanding those motivators is key. That, that there's a lot to it, isn't there? Um, Bev, do you, you want to just maybe talk a little bit about job ads? And um, we recently actually published an article uh, on our website about job ads and job descriptions and not, not wanting to <laughs> deliberately plug 
plug the article, but they are important, aren't they, job ads in, in terms of generating quality applications. And we often hear, and there are you know a lot said about them, that perhaps co companies maybe don't focus enough on really selling the organisation to, to, to the candidate. Would you agree? Absolutely, um, Luca. This is this is basically where the candidate will first imagine um, working for a company in the role that's advertised, um, so they can sort of see how it would fit into their career aspirations, an ideal personal image. So, absolutely key. Um, another thing is having sort of a solid employee value proposition. So, things like the working environment, what is it like working there, company culture, career development, the financial rewards. Um, generally speaking, when the economy is sort of weak, um, I think people tend to be more reluctant to leave a job that is perceived um, as secure to taking a gamble and starting a new role at a new company, unless they see extra incentives or something that benefits them. Um, so I do think, you know, if companies get this right, it could be a real positive uh, result in candidate attraction. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Bevy. I love the word imagine, actually people imagining themselves in a role. I think that's very powerful. Um, and if, if we talk now about candidates, so how can they also differentiate themselves and stand out? Because, you know, assuming obviously that they're all highly qualified people, you know, to, to be in, in, in tax, you, you need specific qualifications, don't you? So, but again, if they're competing for, for these top jobs, what do they need to do to, to, to really stand out? Yeah, of course, I cover this daily, um, you know, with lots of various professionals. I mean, firstly, I always advise them um, to recommend, you know, using a recruiter to their advantage really and um, so it doesn't really matter what stage they're at in their profession whether it's a tax trainee or a tax partner or even a complete different job role I think having the right people to help um, you in the next stage can be real influential to sort of the success of their career um, so again I would definitely say pick a reliable and credible recruiter and make the most of the relationship out there um, Having been in the recruitment industry for a number of years and hearing some real shocking experiences, um, believe me, this one, I, I believe that they don't want to get wrong. So, again, I think working with a recruiter who has the best interest at heart, someone that will find exactly what makes them tick, locate amazing opportunities. So things like working for the best companies, best pay, um, who offers the most flexibility and what their career progression looks like. So valuable information like this to candidates, I think is second to none. Um, and last of all, I think, you know, based on hundreds of candidates that I've successfully placed and coached through job applications, I think one that people miss is, you know, finding and aligning sort of a dream company and the company they want to work for. So a theory that I normally use is, is CLAMPS, which stands for challenge location advancement money prestige and stability so really digging into what that actually means for you in your career um and not applying for hundreds of jobs because again it's not probably good for mental health or motivation so picking 10 companies rating them on a scale from one to ten and asking yourself sort of the most important questions um so being honest with yourself what are the non-negotiables um, ranking and rating again to to you know the companies that you are applying for so so yeah so really having a strategic approach I would say Luca on on you know your job search would be a good 
tip. Brilliant. Thanks so much for that, Bev. Um, and I think you, you did briefly touch on it just a little bit earlier in, in our conversation. What about kind of technology and AI? You know, obviously um, it's affecting industries, all sorts of industries, but particularly how do you think tax functions need to perhaps modernise or digitalise, whichever word you want to use moving forward? But how do you see that importance of AI and tech um, shaping tax, the tax function of the future, say? Yeah, um, I think AI can actually strengthen tax functions and in, it's encouraging. Certainly what we're seeing is more investment into roles um, that focus on data and processes, um, which again allows businesses to sort of automate their repetitive tasks, which could prove helpful in the long run and save a lot of time. Um, of course, there is fear in the media and, and, and how AI will replace people, but um, causing job losses in the process. However, there is a positive spin um, on AI, I would say, um, which again enables sort of tax professionals to work more better, smarter and faster, um, which means more time to carry out value adding activities um, from sort of managing risk to partnering with businesses and strategic projects. Um, and I, I believe it may even encourage um, recruitment in, into the profession as well. So real positive um, spin on that there. Yeah, in interesting. Thank you, Bev. And, and obviously, you know, we need to talk about Brexit as well and obviously the impact and implications. So how, how, how do you think that's going to kind of pan out now that obviously, you know, we, we, we've left the EU and, and clearly tax professionals will, mm -hmm. you know, will be at the forefront, won't they, in terms of giving advice to organisations? Yeah, absolutely. I think the term Brexit um, has been one that in the world of business can be defined as indecision. And if you pardon the pun, I think you know what I mean. Um, in the world of taxation initially, uh, we couldn't see any immediate effects. But as Brexit got deliberated, um, we could see a genuine impact on some key elements such as customs and duty, VAT, systems and processes, trade agreements, social security. Um, and again, post-Brexit, post I think trade agreements, particularly alongside customs and duty, have seen major delays in execution due to tax implications. And as a result of what I just mentioned, we have seen a major increase in tax advisory and consultancy roles. And finally, Bev, um... Uh, what do you see as the key trends being for the rest of 21, uh, 2021 in terms of taxation, the demand for tax taxation professionals? Do you see it pretty much um, staying as it is or just any, any other insight from you in terms of how you see the market developing during the course of the year? Yes, um, I think uh, I mentioned this before. It's, uh, again, increasing virtual collaboration, um, the continual rise in remote working we'll see. Um, and also an interesting one is sort of the reducing the barriers to the hiring process as well. It's sort of amazing how obstacles that had seemed more rigid can now suddenly disappear and and, and it's now a pressing need for, for everyone to do so. So um, another one, video interviews, again, will continue as firms realise how much time we can save. Um, and digital upskilling as well is a really, really um, upcoming trend as well with many employers now working remotely and organisations having to sort of accelerate a shift to online services. I think this one 
is no surprise that digital upskilling and di digitization have been sort of top priority. And I think even in times of digitalization, the focus on the H or human element in HR, you know, should not be lost. So many of the changes that um, were there before, um, but we've just, it's just been emphasized uh, by the current situation. So I do believe this will be the future of work and the future of hiring. Fantastic, Bev. Look, it's been really, really good to have you. Thank you so much for sharing your insights with our listeners today. Hopefully we can have you back on again um, as the year progresses, you know, to update us further. So thank you so, so much, Bev. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me and thank you for listening. Thanks, Luca. A big thanks to Bev. Don't forget, you can read all our articles and listen to our latest podcast episodes at morganphillips.com. We hope you enjoyed it. Please do join us next time. Until then, goodbye.